Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bowlology Report. The Boxing Day finished with a draw with some unbelievable individual performances, Cook, Warner and Smith, but I reckon the pitch got the three votes for the most influential part of the test match. If Monty Python were describing this MCG pitch, they'd say it is no more. It has ceased to exist. It is bereft of life. The MCG Boxing Day pitch has passed away. And the main dismissal for batsmen was actually playing on off the inside edge. There was more drag-ons than the Game of Thrones. Sorry, it'll get better after that because Hodgie is away and we're co-hosted today by one of the most popular Australian cricketers of my era. He was known as Australia's cricketer's version of Crocodile Dundee. I might have just made that up there, but it's, of course, Andrew Simons. Simo, thanks a lot for coming on the Biology Report. You're welcome, Flemmer. Hey, you were up here for the Big Bash in Perth. Did you ever think you'd actually be commentating on cricket, let alone the Big Bash? No, I suppose if you cast your memory back to sort of, I suppose, the middle of your career... Um, what options media, were you looking at there? <laughs> no, there wasn't a lot, but um, I wasn't a, a great fan of the media come sort of the middle and the end of my career, so I didn't ever thought, think I was going to be doing something, something like this, but I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's been, um, it's been good to stay in touch with the modern game, yeah. see all the new players coming through, um, because I suppose you'd... And someone like me, I never know probably where my life will turn. Which it is has exciting in itself, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, but it's 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 a it's a terrific competition. This, and um, I'm really enjoying being involved in it. And Simo, you said the other night that you're a bit excited, but it was fun excitement. That that's so important in life, isn't it? Yeah, nervous excitement. Um, I suppose then you know you're actually testing yourself. You're, you're pushing yourself, you know, slightly beyond your boundaries, but. I suppose the energy, the nervous energy was just, I hadn't done it for a while. Um, <laughs> but it was, as you said, it was an excitement that, that I suppose, it was nearly like playing excitement. You, 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 tr- you trust you're going to do all right, but you, until you actually get out there and feel the, yeah. feel the game around you and get involved in the game, it's, it's, a, it's a funny sort of energy. But I must admit myself, I still get nervous. You know when I get around the pitch area yeah. and, and my performances, they're more, you're probably um, always analysing yourself as opposed to when you're playing for Australia, you've got all the media doing that. But I, I just, I think it, it, it means that you want to be there. And that's yeah. the most important thing. Well, it's, it's like, I suppose, playing, me playing innings. You've got to find the right balance between, you know, having a bit of fun, telling the people what you're watching and telling the people about your experiences or what you'd be doing, yeah. what the opposition's looking to do to the, oppos- to the other, other team. So trying to find that right balance is obviously the skill that I'm trying to learn when I'm commentating. Hey, mate, well, just quickly on the, the Boxing Day test match, you know, Australia won the series 3-0. Um, some amazing performances. Uh, Alistair Cook, you would have played against him. I, I think he's, he's an Englishman which the Australian public don't mind. I, I reckon they, they were grateful to actually see a guy who is battling. He said that himself. He wasn't sure if he was going to keep getting a game. And he's 151st test match. Scored 240. Got himself the highest score by an overseas player at the G. And funny enough, what about this for a little stat? It was the first time he'd actually had a 10th wicket partnership. Yeah, right. 
So batting through the highest score, all these stats, well, the highest ever. Do, he um, spent every minute of the test match out there, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Never been done before. No. So that's an amazing thing as well. But there, there's been some aggro between the teams, but I, I think with Alistair Cook, um, I think everyone appreciated his efforts. Yeah, you could tell by the appreciation of the Melbourne crowd when he got to 200. It was a real genuine congratulatory sort of clap and, you know, they celebrated it with him. And, but he's not the type of player. He's not sticky. He's not trying to... He's not an annoying player. He's not. No. He's not stirring people up. So yeah, I think there's a, a professional um, appreciation for what he's what he's gone through and what he did that and, day. And really, where he come from there, a man who um, I think everyone's appreciating, except for the English bowlers, is is Stephen Smith. He, <laughs> he's in that bigger form. Chuck Norris is wearing a Stephen Smith shirt, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah. going that well. And the main thing is, from the English people, they just go, "Where, where do you get him out?" And I, there is no obvious well, weakness. You, no, there isn't. You just need him to make a mistake, or you need the ball to play up off the wicket, or you've got to bowl him a Jaffer at the moment. Yes. It, it's like the pitch is 24 metres long. You know, he's just, he's got so much time and he's in so much control of everything he's doing. Full, short, wide. You know, he, he deals with it all. And Samo, you had a big breakthrough there in 2006-07. Um, c- can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, just, just, did it need that to feel like to validate you as an as a Test batsman that innings, and then the pure euphoria batting with your mate Matty Hayden? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you you need that as a as an individual. You need your confidence to be high, and I was really battling. I think you know I'd played eleven Tests and I hadn't hadn't really contributed in a major way. So I was I was searching for that innings, um, and the start of that particular innings, I was I was battling. It took me twenty odd balls to get off the mark. Ooh. Uh, so, a young, how would a young Andrew Simons handle not scoring off twenty balls? Well, I had, I had the strength of Hados out there, just reassuring yeah. me the whole time. Like he was, he mate, don't panic. We got oodles of time. You'll catch up. There's no no pressure here. And then he, Kevin Peterson, was right into me. And then Hados ended up having a blue with him about that. <laughs> so I was actually getting entertained by Hados because <laughs> he was hopped into K, KP. The big, the two big alpha males. Oh yeah, it was on. Who's the biggest dog? Uh, Hados. Hados. Yeah. Hados had him covered because Hados got a hundred on his ear again. He's he got one every Boxing Day, I think. And um, yeah, it was just it was. I suppose Hados himself had been through a lot. You know, I nearly got dropped from the Queensland side, and he helped me sort of rediscover myself there. And then to do that with him on Boxing Day, um, you know, and, and it kicked you on consistently. Yeah, well, it gave wise. me a, a sounding board know. for. Innings down the track, you know, I could always refer back to that particular innings. Um, right. So it was, I had a method then. I had a sort of a map, a batting map. See, I, I read that and I interviewed you around that time and I, I got you to explain the map and it was simple, but it's something you had to do before each ball to keep yourself set. Yeah, it, it, especially in a, when it was at that extreme point where I was possibly didn't score any runs in that test. I may have been dropped from the side. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was. It was a sort of a, I don't know how you'd say it, it was a... A pre routine Yeah, it was a r- routine, yeah. it was a rhythm thing I was trying to get yeah. myself into. And then and then as the innings went on, obviously obviously relaxed and settled yeah. and then got into my batting and then and then Hados got his 100. Um, and he he was he's so selfless that his 100 was sort of, he just sort of, <laughs> he was more worried about getting me through. He sort of went, yeah, there's another 100 on Boxing Day, there you go. Raised his bat. That, that's great to hear. And then he was... Back straight on the job with me, making sure that I was right, um, and you know it was a partnership which was really important to the to the game. We had to, you know, have a big stand 
big partnership to get ourselves, work ourselves back into the test match. And Simo, I was doing ABC radio for that, and you hit the shot, and there's no way off the straight off the bat. I would have thought it went for six. What what were your thoughts? Well, I saw Paul Collingwood was bowling to me, and he sort of did me with lack of pace. So I had to take my bottom hand off the bat. I hit it sort of straight, straight mid on. I took my bottom hand off the bat as I made contact with it because I was sort of reaching for it a bit. And I got it not too bad, sort of high toe, um, and not far down that end. And it sort of, and it carried the sort of just, I think it bounced on top of the fence or something. So it was, yeah, six and then. And then what about the celebration? So Dossie's yeah. got you. Well, I, that, that's a, that was a decent bear hug. That, that was WWE style, wasn't it? Well, I thought he was going to actually pole drive you. Yeah, the, the adrenaline was huge. <laughs> I saw a replay of it the other day. Um, just the relief. I was that pumped. And I, I jumped on his head and I crushed his head, that, his helmet that hard onto his head. That it's he a had little a big, head. big, big blood blister on his forehead <laughs> where I crushed his helmet onto his head. So he's later on that day, I said, mate, what happened to your head? Was, he goes, you, you bullfed, you crushed my helmet on me, onto me forehead. And, and you wouldn't remember any of that, would you? Um, no, no, that was, it was sort of drunk, <laughs> drunk on adrenaline. You know, you just can't remember that, those particular moments and, until you actually watch it back. Yeah. You watch that moment of celebration back and then you go, oh yeah, now I remember it. So, but yeah, I suppose that's why you play the game for those, those little moments. You do all that training and sweating and all that for, that's, that's what it's all about. What about Mitchell Marsh has actually talked about uh, the mental side of things. You know, he's out with a shoulder injury and he's, he's done a lot of work on his batting, mm. but also um, just being able to switch on and off between balls. Um, so you, you talked about how you found the map. What about the number six role and having to bowl overs? How, how hard did you find that? Um, I enjoyed it because I, I, I get bored easily, so there's always a chance that I can be involved directly in the game. If I'm not if I'm not batting, I'm bowling. Well, potentially, I'm talking to the captain about maybe fields, getting on. Yeah. And I enjoyed my fielding. So um, for me, it was it was probably a good thing. And and physically, I had to be sort of ultra fit to be able to do the do the three disciplines well. So you know, I kept myself out of trouble training wise. You know, I, tra- I trained pretty hard and yeah and. Um, so, yeah, being fit was very important to me, being able to back up. You know, so if I, I did score runs, I had to be able to back up, bowl, potentially, you know, 10, 12, 15 overs um, the next day or bowl some overs that afternoon. So, yeah, it was. I enjoyed ha- having that role on the team. It was um, something that I really did did love doing. Well, you're one of the, the toughest men going around. Um, what, what were your recollections? And was there any fallout? We got some questions from people on Twitter, and they asked, when you nailed the streaker, um, what was the build-up to it? And then also, was there any fallout from that or basically, well done? No. He, was... He's done the wrong thing and yeah. and you've stopped him. Well, he, you know how we go through all this drugs and the race stuff and all yep. that Gotta stuff in the pre-season so and tick all the boxes. Um, so the frust- there was frustration there from that because we're always being told about safety. Don't, you know, someone, you know people coming on the ground... Um, and I just looked up, and this bloke's coming on, and this is a final against India, and I think I've just run Hados out. So, so you're I did not, not happy. I did not want anything to do with Hados. <laughs> I wanted to stay out there until he calmed down. Uh, and, and this bloke ran on the field, and he sort of got, I don't know, about 15, 20 metres away from me. He sort of caught eyes, locked eyes, and I sort of smirked at him to say, come over here. And he sort of changed direction and come straight towards Ooh. me. And um, the umpires, I was down the non-strikers end, I think. The umpires stepped back out of the way, and I just put my bat in the other hand and I just 
I just sort of gave him gave him a bit of shoulder. And I'm fair to say you won that sort of battle, I would have yeah, thought. That, not allowed to shoulder charge in rugby league anymore, but back in those days you were allowed to. So but there was, was a, a time you were, you, you were keen to have a little crack at rugby league, weren't you? Yeah, well, that was when... Wayne Bennett was the coach of yep. the Broncos. Yeah, I went and spoke to him. Said, um, you know, the cricket thing's not working out for me. I'd been dropped from the Queensland side. I was in and out. Um, and he said, well, if you're serious about this, come and see me um, in the pre-season next year and we can map out a path for you to, to go about doing this. Um, and then that year was the 2003 World Cup and Punter and John Buchanan went into bat for me and they wanted me on that in that tour. Because party. you were battling, weren't you? I was, yeah. yeah. I wasn't, um, but they, they saw something in me that um, <laughs> I didn't, maybe, you know. And um, But once you got on the tour... Did they say that? Did they say that you're here because we have faith in you? And that yeah, must yeah. have given you such a lift. Well, it did. But the thing with it was, in my head, I still didn't have that, that you know... Performance. That performance. To it, give you the confidence. To sort yeah. of that, that batting map. So, but I worked really hard in the nets with, with a method. With Tim Nielsen was a fair, fairly um, instrumental in that, with the, the way I trained. Um, very specific to what my role was going to be. And then also the responsibility was a non-negotiable because um, Michael Bevan was out injured. He'd torn his drawn and Darren Lehman and had, had the suspended. flu because he's had the flu for 48 years now. <laughs> Two Bevo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, both had been suspended. So, I, so someone had to fill those two roles. Um, so yeah, basically it was I was thrown in sink or swim. And, um, I'd never and it was massive, 150, wasn't it? So at what? Yeah. What, what, uh, was it that many? No, it might have been one forty-three. One forty-three. At what stage during the? Were you just, or did you just get in your zone? I, I don't. I don't know. It was. I just played straight. I can remember just trying okay. to play straight for the first however many balls it was. I played and missed a couple of times and could easily nick one, but. But I, I look back. That was. Probably my best one day innings. I, I don't know. I, I haven't watched. But the whole we needed back, it. Yeah. But we. I needed it. And the team needed it, yeah. so the, the whole situation—it was one of those situations that had something had to happen. And fortunately for us, it did. And we went through that. The rest of that world, we went through that World Cup undefeated, and yeah, played unbelievable cricket. And to have two thousand and seven as well to be a two-time World Cup winner would be up there. I, one serious question before we lighten up some Twitter ones. There, what about um, there was a period where you, you did a lot of ads, you, you did a lot of sponsorship, um, you, you're doing. Um, you know, a lot of media stuff for Cricket Australia there. In in hindsight, I mean, you've always liked your own space. In hindsight, um, do you think you probably did too much of that and lifted your profile to a to a level that you weren't comfortable with? Or do you look back and go, hey, we're sportsmen, you've only got a limited time in the game, you've got to make the most of the, the money that's around when you can? Yeah, look, it, it was what it was. Um, and I suppose with the dreadlocks and everything, I was very easy to recognise. So <laughs> yes. Whenever I was in public, I was constantly photos and signing, and, and that was that took its toll on me because, as yeah. I said, I like I'm a private type person, and the recognition constantly all the time. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to have a meal or you're just trying to have a. But you've yeah. always liked going to a pub and having a beer, yes, though. But yes. you can't do that. But when that, you're, di- they, yeah, yeah. that dynamic changed, and um, yeah, I, I found that really difficult. Um, Simo, what about some light ones here as well? Um, 
What about were you a nerd or Julio in the Australian team? Well, it was it was like uh, I, I went from one to the other. Uh, it depended because I, I had a I had a mate a of mine. So, so the dreadlocks is a little bit Julio like. Yeah, yeah. But but I think there's other fishing. I think is quite a nerdish yeah, pastime. It's, it's not it's not sipping lattes and you know. Chapel Street, is it? No, no, so, and, and gelling the hair yeah, and all no, that sort of stuff. It, I was a bit of a crossover. It sort of depended on that on the numbers there. Yeah, on the numbers, who was picked, you know, on the tour, so as to whether which side I was on. So, who was nice. the ultimate Julio of your time? Who took too much pride in personal appearance and loved it? Oh, there's probably a few. Scotty Muller. Yes, Scotty Muller, Brendan Julian, Shane Watson. That's your top three. That's what I'm going. And there's yeah. no Warren or Lee there, so that is a that oh, is a good top three. Yeah, well, I mean, Warney pruned himself fairly heavily. He was the well, king of the Julio, but, but it was a, he was a different type of Julio. He's much more, you know, he's a bit more rough around the edges. You're you going to say Bogan, weren't you? <laughs> you were going to oh, say it. No, I wasn't going to say Bogan. I'm trying to look, think of the right word, but he was different type of Julio. Brett Lee, natural. You know, yeah, it natural, was a, natural Julio. Yeah, he, he didn't whipped, have to try. He whipped the guitar out when the you know yeah. when the occasion was right, and then a lot of times when it wasn't. I'm, no, I'm going no. to get the guitar, boys. I think he's made Shane Watson. <laughs> do we don't did what I do a bit of that as well? Oh, well, he, he, they were te- he was yeah. teaching him. Yeah. So that was. That what was about the, nerds? Biggest nerd. The ultimate nerds. What about the current Australian coach? Lehman. I wouldn't call Lehman a nerd though. He's sort of a. He's a he's a he's a, buff. He's a bogan nuffy. He was pretty natural. I mean, I had Murphys before that. There's some natural nerds. Tim May was a natural nerd. Yep. Um, Paul Jackson. I played a lot of cricket in Queensland with Paul Jackson. He was your classic. Not nerdy. one. He was a banker. Piece of hooli. He wore glasses. Yep. And he bowled left arm spin, and talked about cricket in most senses yes. of the day. Yep. I think he's just about the ultimate nerd of your time, and I played with him yeah, as well. Yeah. Hey, Simo, thanks a lot. We've got to do the big bash. We've got to get out of here. But I just love how, you know, at times you questioned your love for the game while you're playing, and now you're ropping back. Well, quickly, sorry, with the kids. Are the kids playing? No, the young fellow's too young. How old Williams, is he? He's, um, he's just turned four. Oh, that's very young. Sorry. So he's, but he plays in the yard with me, and he's hitting the ball hard already. So he's... Um, yeah, I mean, if he wants to play cricket, I'll do everything I can help him to do that. But he, but, he loves his rugby league, so he's mad on football. Well, let him play. But, but I love how, you know, you had those questions about the game. And now I know, just commentating on these few games here in Perth, um, Ricky Ponting never comes to Perth. Have you noticed that? Mate, I... You come from Townsville. How big a trip is that? That's all day. Yeah. That's all day. And Rick can't come from and Melbourne. He's got a jet of his own, doesn't he? He's got his own jet. You punter would, plane, they call it. You would have thought. Plane. You would have thought. Simo, fantastic career and many more to come. Let's get out there and start commentating yep. this big bash. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Simo. Thanks for having me, Flamo. While the Big Bash League is massive again, it's breaking TV ratings, crowd figures and fast bowlers bowling figures. This is a guide to one of the unsung heroes of the BBL, the stats guru, Laurie Colliver, and how to become a gun BBL statistician. Loz, thanks for joining us. You're in the middle of the Big Bash season right now. What sort of prep do you do per game? 
Well, pre-game, I send notes out 24 hours before the game to all the commentators, producers and everybody, and it's got the key numbers, so the up-to-date stats, a bit of stuff on last year. And what I'm starting to do more and more of now is player versus player. Yeah, I like that. So you can find a weakness. The other night, I gave, I think, Michael Vaughan, Luke Wright facing leg spin, 37 balls out five times. Got next ball. Perfect, didn't it? Where was Vaughan before that? He, he doesn't know Luke Wright, <laughs> where his weaknesses are. But I know myself, we want obscure stats. Yeah. We don't want the traditional ones. So you're always looking for those? All the time. That would be probably a half hour of my prep. And so that's pre-game. Before we get to the ground, pre-game at the ground, I'm answering your questions. Gilly had some stuff last night. He wanted to know about Alex Ross versus leg spin, being the yeah. sleepologist. And just stuff like that. The, the commentators and you guys all know that the player versus player deems what happens, who bowls what over. And we and saw that last night. At the Adelaide Oval, didn't yeah, we? You yeah. had the stats about leg spin against yeah. Basil McCullum yeah. and Chris Lynn. Weatherall versus left-hand pace. And, and he what got happened out. again? And he got out again. Five wickets now. Benny Dunks the same. There you go. You're on fire. You've mentioned a lot of names there. One name you haven't mentioned. I don't even know if he knows your name. Mark War. No, no. That what, what, does he, <laughs> what does he come with to you? Actually, Junior last night was about to say I'm the world's best stato, which I thought was a bit of a stretch. But he does know I'm there, and I do feed him a lot of yeah. information. I'm so. just surprised. Yeah, but he does know your name. Well, he called me Peter once, but that's my dad. So. Yeah, I called him Steve. That We never got long after that. <laughs> hey, mate, what do you do? When I think about statisticians, yep. or i.e. scorers, I'm mm. thinking different coloured pencils, yeah. blah, 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 that sort of stuff. How do you... Are you totally manual that way, or do you like modern technology as well? How I learnt was as a scorer yeah. and playing. I'd score when I played and then go out and bat, try and make some runs. I still use Sorry, the old... you scored a lot when you played. Were you always interested? Yeah, from Stats man. nine, ten years of age. I'd yeah. score test matches off the telly. I've still got a lot of those old running sheets at home, which I referred to, like Rodney Hogg series. That was my first series I really watched. Oh, Hoggy, I'd love this. I'll send the sheets to you, Hoggy. Yeah. Um, so I still use the manual running sheet, which all those TV scorers use. You can get all the data, like, you know... 20 off the last seven, four dot balls in a row, stuff that you couldn't probably get off the computer. And then online's very important too. Cricket Archive, great website. ESPN Quick Info, great website. Andrew Sampson, the South African, who is okay. a sensational stato. That's the player versus player. His database, I pay for that. It's just the best thing that I've had in this last couple of years. Well, you've let me in beautifully. What about the, the stats fraternity? I hear there's a dark side to this. <laughs> there's the, the manual scorers that way versus you modern technology guys you know can you talk a, talk a little bit about that is there friction um sounds like you modern technology guys stick together but you know if you're walking past a, an old scorer with his pencils he looks at you is is there a little bit of professional jealousy there or is you know this young upstart using an ipad you know well, my, as he sharpens his pencils yeah yeah my thing her my thing is i see some of the old scorers and it's an opportunity lost they could be what I'm doing, but they just like to be scorers and they don't want to do the extra research. And I think it's very important. You've got Brett, who does Channel 9, used to work for Macquarie, Andrew Sampson. They're the guys that are really looking for those other stats like I do. The other guys, if they're just happy scoring, that's fine, but a lot of them could take it to another level, that's for sure. Okay. But we do catch up a bit. Melbourne Test was great. Yeah. I probably lead the drinking side of the uh, the statisticians. Yeah. The other guys tend to go home and do more research. Can you, can you never invite me to that catch-up? I've got no interest with stats people. Um, just one at a time. Just onto that, what about the importance? You've, you've got to be You have long days, and then yeah. you're, even now I've caught up with you here mm. and you're doing research. Mm. How important is diet and looking after yourself? I have two ways of handling the summer. Obviously, the test summer with Macquarie, we're you know, having those eight, nine hour days in the box, don't get much of a break. So I really look forward to the after days play. Couple of so drinks. mentally relaxing. Absolutely. With and hydration? I find more hydration on test yes. cricket, less food. 
whereas Big Bash, a little bit less social, apart from last night, which was good, but more eating, less of the drinking, and yes. probably less sleep as well. What's your ideal scoring weight? And um, how do you maintain it in about, like at a Big Bash year? Can you, what, what's your pre-match meal and then, and then afterwards? I'm about 110 over, oh, sorry, I'm about 10 over at the moment. Um, oh, do you, do you think you're, you're not at your best scoring weight? I'm not at my peak scoring weight at the moment, no. So I try not to eat too much at night. I thought heavy, heavier the better. You sit on the chair and you, and you, and you're there. No, no one, no. no. I like to be a little bit lighter at the start because I tend to put on about seven to eight kilo during the summer, and I'm Ooh. hitting that way already, which is a concern, but that's well, okay. Well, Merv Hughes has a theory on that. You know, mm. he used to like his McDonald's mm. or KFC, but then he'd, he'd have a Diet Coke. Yeah, like that balance just balances out. Yeah, that just balances no out. Coke. And what about the three keys to being gun stats man or woman? I think, Get it out there to the kids. I think for telly, what we're doing on the bash, you've got to listen to commentators. If they're talking about something and you give them a stat that's got nothing to do with what they're talking about, you're wasting your time. And, and there's that much going on, as you know. You've got people in your ear asking you to do this and do How that. How important is it to listen to the commentators and be proactive with your stats? Because that is, if I have to say yep. one thing about the way you go about it, that's you do that better than anyone. Thank you, mate. Um, that's, I think, that extra 15 20%. I mean, it's easy to have a heap of stuff pre-game, but you've got to adapt the conditions. So when you know who's won the toss and is going to bat first, Oof. you dig out all that stuff yeah. like we did last night. Um, you really got to watch the game. And you make in TV next to your actual scorer who pumps it all into the computer for the graphics. If he's on the job, it makes your life so much easier. You don't even have to worry about spot and fielders, bowling changes. For TV, it's ideal. With radio, you've got to sometimes duck dive into a space. If Beaver or Tim Lane's commentating yeah. and they leave a little gap, in you go. And you only got to be quick because you, you like to say your stuff when you're ready. And your you've got to appreciate the other guys. Up. We'll appreciate it. It's a teamwork yeah. there. Yep. Loz, thanks a lot for that. Pleasure. Um, keep the stats going and the diet coke flowing all right let's get back you down to your ideal scoring rate happy new year to you and all your listeners thanks Jeff. that is our guide to being a gun bbl stats guru well that stumps for this episode of the biology report no social media self-promoter award at this time of year everyone should be self-promoting with their family and friends thanks to the big roy andrew simons and gun statistician laurie colliver We'll be back soon with Bradley Hodge, whose BBL team, Melbourne Renegades, are winning games. They're flying at the moment. A lot of it on the back of that T20 champion, Dwayne Bravo, who's going to take us out again. Champion.